are your friends? Who do you speak to about love, life and everything else that entails? I'm Kirsty Fitzpatrick and I'm 20-something and this is my friend Jen Saderhelm. She's 40-something. Despite, or maybe in fact, of our 20-year age gap, we've come to seek each other out for advice and feedback. We're more connected than you think and that's why we've started this podcast, 2040, celebrating friendship across generations. 2040 Season 2, Podcast 13, Defining Moments. There's a story that was in the press recently where there was a drag queen event. It was a library storytime event being hosted by drag queens in Brisbane. And the event was stormed, I suppose, by a protest that was led by a young Liberal member in Brisbane and essentially sort of saying, you know, it's inappropriate that drag queens were doing the story time with children and and sort of had some not nice comments to say about the LGBTI community. And this particular Liberal member got a lot of backlash for that. And within 24 hours, he actually ended his own life. Now, we can assume that this event and the backlash he got and the, and the negativity that he received as a result of this was probably a catalyst for that happening. We can probably also assume that there were other mental health issues and things that were going on at the same time. But certainly from an outward point of view and from the way this has been reported on and from someone who didn't know him personally, it seems that that incident and the backlash he received was a defining moment for him in deciding that he was going to end his life. Mm. I certainly think it's worth a conversation about these sorts of events that take place or things that happen, comments that are made, choices that you make that do define your life. Mm. This comes down to the impact that social media has had in our lives over the last 20 years. Mm. Because in my childhood days, you could do something and you could live it down. Mm. Now, You can do something stupid, one-off, something like that, and you can never live it down Mm. because there's evidence on the internet, there's evidence, there's trolling, there's comments, etc. And that's a whole new ballgame. And I was thinking about when I was a teenager, I fell off the bus. I was trying to be a smartass and tried to step off the bus before it fully stopped moving. And I fell on my face and my skirt went up over my head so everyone saw my undies. And I remember going home that afternoon And I was so distraught. And like I said to mum, I'm never going to go back. I can never go back to school now. It's all over for me. And the next morning I went to the bus stop and I remember how sick I felt and worried and all this sort of stuff. And indeed, some of the kids teased me on the bus. And within a week, they'd all forgotten about it. But I, 30 years later, have never forgotten. But there was no one took pictures. No one posted it to social media. No one shared it around the school. That's not what we had there but now those moments of trial and error that kids have and we as adults have can simply define your life and I don't want us to be a society where we all have to have thick skins just to survive. Mm. I think social media, and we've discussed this in previous episodes, it's so dangerous for that. Like people can, as you said, people can do things and and it can be made into a much bigger issue or a much more mentally draining issue because people can continuously talk about it, as you said, photo evidence, video evidence and that sort of thing. At the same time, though, there's been a lot of instances over the years that I've seen where there's been a group of people bullying another group of people or one person in particular and someone has filmed it because they're a not very nice person and as a result of that 
the victim has gotten justice because the perpetrators have been, that video is circulated, it's gone to the cops, the police have made an arrest, they've charged somebody, the victim is obviously terribly scarred by that for life. But that's both a defining moment as a result of social media in both the victim and the perpetrator's lives because that person who did that was probably thinking, ah, they wouldn't have thought twice about it. If somebody had told them, this is going to go out on social media, it's going to circulate, it might go viral, police are going to find out about this and you're going to be charged and have a criminal record, 100% they would have thought twice about that. But because they didn't have that thought process, that's become one of these defining moments where, well, now they've got a criminal record, maybe they're in juvie, something like that. And for the victim, I suppose there's nothing really that could have been done for them to not have been in that situation if these people were going to attack them in the first place. But they have justice in some sense because for them that might have been a defining moment that completely ruined them. They could have also ended their lives. They could have had to have moved or could have sustained severe mental impacts from that. So it's a defining moment in that instance. But also if they did get justice and if the person who did it was caught because it circulated the internet and everybody saw about it and this person got a lot of support, it's also defining in that instance too. Mm. So it's funny what social media can and can't do for these sorts of things. Mm, I think that's exactly right. One of the incidents that really stuck in my mind, and I can't believe I'm bringing this up, But Todd Carney, who I'm sure you know, like I know, Todd Carney is a rugby league player. Mm. And one day, maybe about five years ago now, he was in the bathroom with a group of his mates and one of his mates filmed him doing a not very pleasant act to himself. Mm. Now, that video got circulated and Carney was either stood down or fired or something like that. And while I saw that video as just, it's pretty disgusting, but... Carney had not harmed anyone else but himself. Mm. His mate had filmed it and posted mm. it. Like, who does that? Yeah. And I really looked at that whole one and thought, because clearly Carney had had a couple of drinks. Yeah. All of these things, I looked at that particular instance, and I don't mean to justify because Carney's not known for being one of the best behaved boys on the field anyway, and I won't go into that backstory, but that one incident I didn't feel like justified his firing, mm. but because a night out where he got a little bit drunk, done something with some mates in the toilet, none of which was illegal yeah. or anything like that. Or it's just, what other people it's just stupid. Yeah. Had massive implications for his career. Mm, yeah, you're right. And it's hard then because he then doesn't ever live that video down. It's interesting you bring that up because I think a lot of the time when people think about defining moments, it either involves like an illness like a a big career or a big move or something like that or a big relationship and they often they're they're positive they can sometimes be negative like if you're fired from a role and therefore you have you know it's all the ongoing effects as a result of that if you're fired from a job you can no longer support yourself financially you might have to move you might have to sell a thing you you know it, it has one of those catalyst effects where it starts to impact all these other things too so it's funny you talk about moments like that because you're right for somebody in his position that 100% changed things for him Mm. there's a a manly NRL player just just on the topic of situations like this who had a incidence recently I had a little bit too much to drink again you know wasn't harming anyone else didn't really do anything wrong and he stumbled and fell and hit his head on a concrete driveway and cracked his head open and was bleeding and it wasn't until these may not be completely factual but as far as I know from the story his mate had called an uber for him and or a taxi for him he'd gone down to get it had fallen over the taxi had arrived or the uber had arrived and he wasn't there obviously because he'd fallen over 
over and he wouldn't the driver couldn't see in the dark and fortunately that driver had then called the mate at the house and said hey I'm waiting where's the person who I'm picking up and fortunately the mate had come out seen him and then they were able to rush him to hospital and he's now as far as I'm I mean that was a huge life-changing moment for him aside for the fact that he he quite well could have died I think from what I've read and, and what I've heard and seen he's changed his life around now he no longer drinks and it was a huge moment for him a, a dreadful one be that but one that was so defining and it, it's funny when you think about it from these sorts of perspectives because it is often a major injury or illness or yeah some sort of breakup or some sort of career that changes things like that and I feel that rugby league players should be entitled to go to the pub and have a couple of drinks and be able to be left alone in peace. And I do have sympathy for all those stories where people come up and say, hey, I saw this guy, he was having drinks at the pub. Like, one, that's a bad thing. Like, all rugby league players who have a couple of drinks at the pub, a bad thing going to happen. And two, that every single rugby league player should be available for every person who comes up and goes, hey, mate, how are you going? Let's talk about the game last week, if they just want to have dinner with their friends. Yeah. But it's the same as applied to celebrities, the same as applied to anyone who, who's well known to some extent, whether it's sport, whether it's they're an actor or actress, whether they're a singer or songwriter. It's I think the same applies to that group of people. I work in television. I've got a friend of mine who was out with friends one night and had people come up to him and be like, you're that guy on the TV and like, can you put on your newsreader voice and do some, in, you know, impersonation? And he didn't go out. I mean, it didn't bother him and that was a nice interaction. But he didn't go out to have people say, oh, I recognise you from the TV. A girlfriend of ours, Mel, was saying she used to be a TV reporter in the Central West of New South Wales and she said she was filling up a car with petrol one day and got these looks and people tapping them on the shoulders, pointing at her for no other reason than they probably recognised her and for these people it might have been a bit of a novelty because oh look they're on tv but they're never going out of their way to be to be recognized or to be spoken to or for someone to come up and be like put on your newsreader voice you're that guy from the tv and while that's a positive interaction I think my point is that it's it can happen to anyone yeah well it can happen to anybody but I suppose for these people now it must be when you get to a certain level of celebrity you just can't go out anymore yeah without having lots of people come up and wanting a picture or take a video or all this sort of stuff. And it's and one leads to another leads to another. You just you don't have time or space. There's mm. not that privacy element that you we, I, take for granted. And this is where also the defining moments can come out of that nonstop camera interaction which can catch something that they don't expect. Yes, or yeah. There's no privacy at yeah. all anymore. And even when it comes to committing crimes and so on, I was struck with one of the Karen Ristievsky. Yeah, yeah. that that particular one because the critical moment that the police didn't want to initially talk about was the ping from the phone as it was going through a certain bridge area. Mm. So they knew that the car had gone. So even in that moment now, just social media and all this audio technology means that you are never really private anymore. What's your defining moment? Do you have one? Let's think. Good or bad, do you mean? Like a good defining moment or a bad defining moment? I think either. I think when you sit down and you think about what is the moment when I felt a change, whether it was a good thing or a bad thing, what was that? Yeah, the one that immediately came to mind was the day I was on Rock Quiz. That was one of the highlights of my life. And after I'd finished that and I'd come off stage and I was heading off walking back to my car and I was elated. I'd had such a great time. 
And someone pulled up next to me in the car, rolled down the window and went, hey, Jen, you're a rock music historian goddess or something like that. Oh, wow. And I was sitting there and, you know, that that's what I'd always wanted to be. Yeah. And so that was, uh, while it was a great and fun night for me, it was also the culmination of a dream. And I was sitting there thinking it's all that moment in time was just... So then what did you do if that was your defining moment? What did you do with that? Hmm. Did you action anything as a result? Nothing immediately, but it's been a slow burn, which I suppose has led me to where I am right now in Mm. terms of doing my own career. And Mm. the big thing for me is that I suppose for ages, I would never include that music historian on my resume. Yeah, because I kind of didn't feel like I could authentically own it. I mean, you can't get a graduate degree in music history. But you can be on rock quiz and you can can show people the clip and say, look at me. But it's interesting because I just didn't feel like I could have that. So that's been the big change is that now wherever I go, I put down a music historian because I feel like I have earned that title. Not, yes. No, I think that moment probably was that line where I thought, no, I'm, I think I have enough background and experience to be able to own that title. Totally, totally. And so, there you, so go. you should. You? It's really hard because I think there's a lot of moments in various parts of my life where I'm like, oh, yeah, like that was – I think the definition of defining – moment is tricky because as I said before you can if you think of it from the perspective of if I didn't do this then I wouldn't be in the position I am now then that is a defining moment if I didn't move to Canberra I wouldn't know you I wouldn't be doing this podcast I wouldn't have the job that I have all of which are important aspects to my life so that move to the ACT was a defining moment but I also sit back and I also go, but if I didn't work in that dreadful place with those terrible people, I wouldn't have learnt what I've learnt now about how to respond and react in that sort of environment. And therefore, that was a defining moment. So I think it's, I think for me, I've never really sat and thought about the moment in my life where for me things really changed. There's only one that springs to mind. And a while back, I went through a very, very difficult time and I got through it difficultly and came through the end of it struggling and eventually kind of built up my life and and started to come back from all of this terrible situation that had occurred. And it wasn't until probably two years or so afterwards that I started to have what I could only describe as like PTSD symptoms Mm. and where I started to go, wait a second, things are triggering me, things are reminding me of this, but I thought I moved on from it. I thought I was okay, but now I like obviously I'm not. And, I, you know, we talk a lot about like the manifestation of feelings and things and the combination of this happens and this happens and it all just falls apart. And for me it wasn't like that. It was like all of this terrible dreadful horrific stuff had happened and then it kind of was not happening anymore and then a few years later it was like it was all coming back and there was nothing that was happening to bring it back it's just I started to realize that there were triggers and things that were reminding me of it and I think for me that was a bit of a defining moment because I recognized okay there's clearly some recovery that I still need to be doing here there's clearly stuff that I still need to do to like get over what's happened it's difficult to do but I'm going to talk to people about it and I'm going to try and do that and it also showed me that what happened while I know it was significant and had a major impact on my life at the time that it was also going to have an ongoing impact on my life into the future and for a long period of time forever maybe so I think that was maybe one of those I think that's so important for you as a journalist as well because you're going to meet people who are in the midst of a situation and then you're going to meet people two years on or on anniversaries and you've got that additional, I know that this is still going to 
yeah, affect them. Mm. Mm. And especially with the situation that's going on at the moment, I oh, heard an interview the other day. This is so exactly what you were saying, talking about mental health crisis that's going to come for years to come after mm. these fires. Oh, People yeah. are trying to get through it right now yeah. and the trauma is going to hit them at days, anniversaries, moments yeah. in the future. Yeah. And the interviewer had basically said to whoever the mental health specialist was, "Is why are you starting this process now? And the mental health specialist went, we have to start it now, but it can't stop in a year's time. It has to keep going because that's not how yeah, trauma definitely. and grief works. Definitely. So it's really good to identify that as a key moment yeah. in terms of your empathy going forward as well. I thought you might say, because I know for you one of the big moments was changing to own the fact that you wanted to be journalist on air. Mm. And you'd been doing a role that was sort of behind the scenes prior to that and going in there and saying, no, I, I want this role that's different and I think I can do it. Mm. Not just I, I know I can do it because you've done it in the past. So looking externally that was one I saw as being a big one for you was going in and changing what you were doing the role you were doing into what you really wanted to do yeah yeah and and you're right but it's I think it's defining for different reasons you know I think it's defining in a career point of view I think this other one was defining in that it changed the way that I looked at so much because the flashbacks from the trauma that I went through were affecting not just work, not just other relationships, not just how I felt internally. It was everything. And so you're right. You're certainly right about the the job one. I don't know. Maybe I'm still working on what my defining moment is. And maybe it's relevant to where we are right now because funnily enough, we talked in a previous podcast about a movie I'd seen recently and one of the things that has come back to me as being another one of those defining moments was cutting a toxic friendship out of my life. Yeah, yeah. And taking the stand to, no, not taking the stand because I didn't take a stand. It was not that easy for me, but getting to a point in my life where I can identify healthy friendships, yeah. healthy work relationships and all that sort of stuff and being able to let go of the ones that are not healthy was also defining because I've always been a people pleaser. So... Yeah, that's been very defining. Real big change in me is that yeah. s- strength to be able to do that. Sort of and it's also learning your self-value and self-worth, I think, as well. Just lastly, before we wrap up, I want to ask you if you are anticipating a defining moment still to come. Yeah, I am. And I feel it all the time. And you know I'm a spiritual person. Yes, <laughs> but I do. Everywhere I go at the moment, I keep feeling like I'm going to encounter conversations that are going to change my life. Mm. And it happens all the time. And part of what I'm, I suppose, coming back to the initial conversation about going in to do some business myself, every course I run, there is one or two people in my class who will have a conversation and tell me something of their life that I sit there afterwards and I think, I was meant to hear this personally mm-hmm. for this reason mm-hmm. and it has added to my life. And I feel that that's my gift now or my strength now is the listening to stories. So yeah. I like that. I keep feeling that I'm going to keep having defining moments and it's never going to stop while I keep hearing other people's stories. Yeah, and I suppose too the more – time you have learning these stories the more life experience you gain you can also give back to that by offering advice or suggestions or something like that which also might be a moment when you actually change somebody else's life and that becomes their defining moment too and Jane Fonda I don't know if Mm -hmm. you've read into the background of her she's been a campaigner for years like never has been a woman who's sat back and let life pass her by and she's 80 something now and she was saying that this year 2020 she's going to spend reading up on 
life experiences that she has no understanding of so that she can better see both sides of a story. Yeah. And I think that's part of the conversations is when you come out afterwards and you think, this is not my life experience, but I now have a little bit more of an insight and a respect so I can hear both sides of a story. Yeah, you often talk about you don't know a situation until you've walked in somebody's shoes. But yes, it certainly helps to get two different sides of perspective. I think I have one that I'm anticipating will be a defining moment and that is when I finally learn to worry less. And it's a big one, but I'm working on it. I'm reading a few fantastic books at the moment, which are so hilariously funny about... There was a really well-known book at the end of last year, The Subtle Art of Not Giving In, if he's okay. <laughs> and I love books like that. And I'm so into books like that at the moment. I'm like, yes, I'm so empowered. Like, I'm just going to stop worrying and stop caring. And, and so that, I think when I finally master the art of not worrying, that will be a defining moment for me. And what do you worry about? Oh, God. Really? Do you want to open that box? (laughs) (laughs) I worry about stuff I shouldn't be worrying about, put it that way. Mm. And I think there's good worry and I think there's insignificant worry. And I've always been someone to say there's a reason I'm worrying. It's not insignificant. There's a reason I'm worrying. But I'm getting to the point where I'm like, it's just too much. Mm. So that will be my defining moment. Mm. Wow, that was not... What I was expecting, and I suspect for a lot of people who know you mm. lightly and possibly relatively well, they wouldn't expect that to be something that yeah, you would need to change in yourself. Yeah. But this is the internal dialogue. I suppose also in the defining moments, I just want to keep via what you and I are doing is we're not like shaking the earth in terms of what we're creating, but I certainly think we're starting some conversations that people should be having with each other and I'd really love to think that in some workplaces people who wouldn't perhaps think oh we could be friends might be more open to it be more open to it and guess what even that could be a defining moment yeah an unexpected friendship yes well there's still plenty of those to be made tell you what though this year so far has just For us working in media, usually January is the dead time where you're trying to search desperately for things that you can talk about on air. And this January just gone has been so full on for the media and for fireys and for police, etc. And I, I had a real moment as a journalist and presenter and... I was talking with a police officer who had had no sleep for 36 hours. Mm. He was supposed to be on his four days off. So the first 36 hours of his four days off, he'd been awake the whole time and then he'd gone to this concert. And I was struck with that because now everything is so in your face and everybody has to know everyone's business. And he was telling me all these incredible things about himself. And I was thinking in my head, I should be recording this. I should be recording this. And then I thought to myself, if I record this, he's going to stop telling me Mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. And so what was just important, and I think this is part of my 2020 as well, is just listening and being in the moment without having to sit there and think, I've got to make a story out of this. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard to do though. It's hard to separate that, but it can be done. And I think 2020 will be the start of a defining decade as well. Yeah, I think so too. There's going to be a lot of change to come. Well, we've got a couple more episodes to go to wrap up season two of 2040, and they're going to be very interactive. We have much to discuss, and we cannot 
wait to share a few more with you before we finish this season two of 2020. And we'd also love to hear your defining moments. So reach out to us. We're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, you know our email address. And yeah, we can't wait to hear what those moments are for you. That wraps up another episode of 2040, a podcast celebrating friendship across generations. You can contact Jen or I via our 20-40 Facebook page or email 20-40 at gmail.com. We'd love your feedback, thoughts, questions and ideas for future podcasts. Thank you for listening.